Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Trinity Church PCA in Collierville, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, missioncollierville.org. So last week we had a message about the Reformation. The week before that we were back in the Gospel of Mark. And in that message we talked about Jesus turning his attention and his focus and physically moving in the direction of Jerusalem. Jesus knows that it is time for him to head to the cross. He knows that it is time for him to drink the cup of wrath that God has prepared for him. Jesus is a man, if you will, on a mission. On a mission to save his people. And in order to accomplish that, he has to go to Calvary. So Jesus and the disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. And the sons of Zebedee come to him and they ask a question. And I think there are other translations besides the ESV that communicate this in a little bit better fashion. When you look at verse, excuse me, 35, it says, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Some translations have translated that, Will you do us a favor? I think that's a better way to say it. And Jesus responds to them, let's see, what are you asking? And they want to sit at the right hand and the left hand of Jesus in glory. Now, it's clear yet again. And we have been seeing this throughout the Gospel of Mark that the disciples do not fully understand who Jesus is and what He has come to do. But we know from a couple of weeks ago that Jesus talked to them about the suffering that he was about to encounter and the death that was coming to him. And once again, the disciples had a very difficult time understanding what it is that Jesus was saying. And so in asking this, it seems that they are saying, when you rise to power, And perhaps they are still thinking in terms of earthly power, military power, removing the Roman threat from Jerusalem. When this happens, when we do this, when the nation of Israel rises up to accomplish this, when you sit on your throne as your generals, Can we sit to your left and to your right? That's perhaps one way in which we can interpret this. And Jesus responds to them, you don't understand what you're asking. You have no idea. And when he speaks about about drinking from the cup and he talks about the baptism, he's referencing the suffering that he is about to undertake. Jesus knows all. The disciples, the apostles, their knowledge is limited. And Jesus is saying to them, you really don't know what you're asking for. But when I go to the cross and after the resurrection, you are going to have the same baptism of suffering and you are going to drink from the same cup of suffering that I am going to partake in as the Messiah. And what do we know about the apostles Well, Christian history tells us that all but John were martyred. They were all killed. And John 
lived until the end of his life in prison. And so indeed, they did drink the cup of suffering that Jesus drank from in Jerusalem. And then we come to the end of the passage. And this is the main thing that I want want us to focus on. Jesus tells the disciples that in the kingdom of God, leadership does not look like it does in the kingdom of the world. And He points to the Gentiles and how the Gentiles' leaders lead, how how they guide their people, how they are always considering themselves first, their selfishness, their ruthlessness, their intimidation that they exercise over the people. And Jesus is saying, in my kingdom, it's not going to be like that. In my kingdom, you will be a servant. In my kingdom, and Jesus ratchets it up a little bit, you will be a slave. My kingdom is not about political authority. My kingdom is about love and service. And so that's what I want us to focus in on this morning. There are three things that we're going to talk about. We serve because of love. We serve to know. And we serve to worship. We serve because of love. We serve to know. And we serve because of worship. First thing. Earlier in our bulletin, earlier in the worship service, we referenced Psalm 147. I'm going to read it for you. It says, The Lord's delight is in those who honor Him, those who put their hope in His unfailing love. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. If we belong to Jesus and we live in the kingdom, we are called to serve and we serve because of love. And when we come to a Psalm, Psalm 147 and we're reminded of the unfailing love that God has for us, it should create in our heart a desire to serve Him and to serve others. When we step back and we think about all that God has done for us, the correct and right response is that we want to love others well and we want to go out of our way to help them, to assist them, to guide them, to support them, to show them the love of Christ. When you think back a couple of weeks ago in Mark chapter 10, and we talked about Jesus turning and making His way to the cross, it is a critical section of the Gospel of Mark. And I can't help personally, but to stop and to think about Jesus and think about His love for me. He's in Galilee and He's ministering to the people. He's teaching the people the Word of God. He is being pestered by the Pharisees. But for the most part, Jesus is spending time with His apostles and His disciples and His followers. He's spending time with sinners. He's telling them about God's love. He's showing them that He is the Son of Man and the Son of God through His miraculous powers. It's an unbelievable picture. And then, He has to head to the cross. And Jesus knows that on the cross, God is going to take our eternal punishment for sin and He's going to place it on His shoulders. Not just for me, but for everyone that belongs to God throughout human history. Their punishment 
on Him. And then God the Father who loves the Son perfectly and they have always had perfect communion and fellowship. At that moment, when Jesus is suffering on the cross, the Father is going to look away. And so it is an agony and a punishment, a sense of desperation that we will never, ever understand, nor can we possibly know. We can't even begin to know nor understand. He's headed to the cross. He's headed to Calvary. And that's what he's facing. And when I begin to think about that, when I begin to dwell on that, it just changes my heart. Because, and think about this, he would have done that if it was only for you. If the Father had said to him, I just need you to do this for ABC. He would have done it in obedience to the Father's will. He would have gone to the cross. That's how much our Savior loves us. And when we come to a full understanding of His unfailing love, then we want to serve and we want to love. And so where does that begin? Well, it begins with the church. Why the church? Why does it begin with the church? Well, two reasons. One, it's the bride of Christ. The church, in all its imperfection, is Jesus' bride. He loves the church. And so we are called to love and we are called to serve the church. The second reason is because in the church are the people of God. The people who belong to Jesus. Those that He gave His life for. And we will dwell with each other, brothers and sisters in Christ, forever. So when we know who our Savior is and we know what He has done for us, we want to serve His bride. We want to serve each other. Listen to what it says in the Gospel, excuse me, in the book of Acts regarding service within the church. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and all and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. When we understand what Jesus has done for us and we love each other and we seek to serve each other as a family in Christ, wonderful things happen. Acts tells us that. They had glad and generous hearts. What they did praised God. It gave Him worship. It gave Him glory. And the people who were around them began to notice them and they said something's different about them and they added to their number day by day those who were being converted. A Christian family, a Christian church should be a group of people held together by Christ who desire to love and to serve each other. 
we also serve our family. Jesus taught, Jesus tells us that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. There is no closer neighbor than your own family. And so, because of Jesus, because of his commandment, because of his sacrificial death, because of his life, we should want to pour that out into others, not only in the church, but within our own family. We should try daily to make the love of Christ known to others that we live together with. Our extended family. Look, this is what Jesus has done for me. I want you to see and to know and to experience this as well. It's not about me. I'm not first. I'm second. And I'm going to put you first because Jesus is Lord overall. So not only do we have this opportunity within our church family, we have this opportunity in our own family to make Him known and to die to self. And then thirdly, we have the opportunity to serve our fellow man. The Word of God tells us that our fellow man is made in the image of God. So we have something in common with them. One of the things that's just difficult to see in our society is the hate that we have towards other people, the disdain that we have towards other people because of their views, their opinions, so forth and so on. Word of God is not telling that we have to embrace them wholly and fully. We don't have to embrace their opinions. We don't have to embrace their lifestyles. But because they are made in the image of God, we are called to serve them, to help them, to think of others before ourselves. We go to them in love because it is a testimony of God's unfailing love. So when we examine our heart, when we dissect our heart, we should be looking for these things. Do I love the church? Am I willing to serve the church, the bride of Christ? Is it more than something where I just attend? And then when we dissect our heart and we examine our heart, we're also looking for, do I love my family? Am I putting others first? Am I dying to self? Am I making Christ known? And then when we look at our heart, the third thing that we're looking for, the third piece is the world out there. They may not be in my family. They may not be in my church. They may not even be believers. But they are made in the image of God and that counts for something. And so am I loving this fallen world as a testimony to the unfailing love that God has shown me? Am I exhibiting to them the supreme worth that is Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior? What am I doing? What am I doing for the church? What am I doing for my family? What am I doing for those who have been made in the image of God? God, when we understand Jesus, who Jesus is, and we understand how He served us, and we understand how deep His love is for us, that is the transformation that should be taking place in us. Secondly, 
We serve to know. We serve to know. Our service helps us to know Christ. When we, when we get on our knees and we are willing to serve the church and we are willing to serve our spouse, our children, our family, when we are willing to get our hands dirty for those made in the image of God, when we do this, we gain a better understanding of who Jesus is. Here, 1 Peter 2.21 For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps. Let me read that again. 1 Peter 2.21 For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps. When we serve other people, we gain an incremental understanding of how Jesus served us. That Jesus left the throne room of heaven. He left the presence of the Father and the Spirit to come to this earth, to take on flesh, to enter this broken world. And from the moment He took His first breath until He died on the cross, all He thought about was us. And all He thought about was serving others. The ultimate sacrifice. And so as we begin to serve the church and as we begin to serve our family and the world, we begin to understand what Jesus went through and what Jesus did and what He experienced. And it helps us to know Him better. Look, it's not easy to serve. It's not easy to put yourself second, third, fourth, fifth, it's not easy to come alongside people and to bend over and help them. To help them carry burdens in life. It's a lot easier in this world to just do this. I'm going to escape to the comfort of my home. I'm going to lock the doors, close the blinds, and I'm not going to worry about anything or anyone outside of the hectic nature of my own life. I'm plenty busy. I have plenty to do. The gospel just simply refutes that. Just simply refutes it. You have to think about other people. You have to think about the church. You have to think about the world. You, because of Christ, must open your heart and be willing to serve and to help to lift other people up. It's not about me. It's about a high and mighty King who rules over all of creation. We are called to follow in His steps and in doing that, we know Him better. It also shows that we know God. When we take the time to serve His bride, when we serve others, it's a reminder in our own heart that yes, I do belong to Him. He is working in me. I am a child of the King. I am a servant of the One who rules over all of creation. 1 John 4, 7 Beloved, let us know one another. 
For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. What a great verse. That when we love others, we are reminded of the fact that we know God. That when we are willing to serve, when we are willing to sacrifice, when we are willing to bend the knee, it's a reminder of what God has done in us. And it's one of the ways that God helps us to have a deeper understanding of our relationship with Him. Third thing, we serve to worship. Hebrews 13, 16. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Hear that again. Such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So the other day, coaching a flag football team, won by the way, and it was rainy and it was so cold. Chilled to the bone. Feet were just so cold. Came home and turned on the fireplace. And I have this new candle. Can't remember the name of it. You, you, you would want it. Just can't remember what it's called. Lit the candle. Oh, that fragrance. And then Vicky starts stirring in the kitchen. And she's making roast. And I'm sitting there in front of that warm fire, warm clothes, and I'm smelling this, this aroma of this candle and roast. It was unbelievable. Let me tell you, Instapots are fast, but when you're smelling all of that, they're not fast enough. And I'm sitting there on the couch enjoying all of this, and I kid you not, I began to think about the Old Testament. I know I'm a minister, nerdy thing to do. I began thinking about the Old Testament and how the Old Testament talks about the aromas from the sacrifices of the high priest reaching the nostrils of God and how the aroma was so pleasing to him. That's what God talks about in the Old Testament, that these sacrifices which atone for the sins of Israel for one more year. In other words, God is saying, for one more year, I'm going to look past your sins. And this is a reminder, this aroma, this pleasing sacrifice, is a reminder that one day there will be a final sacrifice who will finally atone for your sins. And so I'm sitting there and I'm smelling that. I'm smelling the aroma. And it just brought me back to the Word of God where God talks about how pleasing the aroma of the sacrifice is to Him. It's fully satisfactory. Atonement. And then this week I'm looking at this sermon and I come to 1 John 4, 7 and it says, whoever loves, excuse me, it says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Sorry, wrong verse. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. I began to think about that. I began to think about the smells from the candle, the smell of the roast, the smell of the, fine, of the sacrifice in the Old Testament. And it was a reminder to me of what 
our sacrificial service for others does for God. It's pleasing to Him. It's pleasing to Him. You know, there, there was a time in my life when I really thought that most of the time God was angry with me. This is how my warped theology played out. God is just angry and frustrated and mad at me because I can never do anything right. And Jesus is over here standing before the throne, standing before the Father and saying, well, you know, I did die for Him. And that's just warped. In reality, it's God the Father saying, I love Him, go redeem Him. And Jesus saying, I have gone and He belongs to me. And I completely left the Holy Spirit out of the equation. The Holy Spirit is there saying, I have gone at the bequest of both of you in order to change Him, to make Him new, to give Him life, to give Him new eyes and new ears. And so collectively, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it is them placing their love on me and drawing me unto the Holy Trinity, to our Trinitarian God. And so it is an amazing and unbelievable thing that anything that I do can be pleasing to God. But yet, the Word of God is telling us that because of Jesus, our older brother, because what He has done for us, because He headed to Jerusalem, when we serve the church, when we serve our family, when we put ourselves second, third, fourth, whatever, that when we go to our fellow man in order to show them the supremacy and worth of Jesus Christ, the unfailing love of God, that when we do this, it is an pleasing aroma to our God. It's worship. We come here to worship in a very special way on the Lord's Day. There's nothing like it according to the Word of God. And Jesus is present with us in a way in which we cannot fully understand. Yet, when we leave those doors and we serve and we make sacrifices in the name of Jesus, we are also worshiping God. That's something important to remember and to hold on to as the people of God because I will tell you this. When you leave those doors, it's hard to do that in a fallen world. It's hard to put yourself second. It's hard to lift high the cross of Jesus. But we are called to do it. It is a high privilege and God receives all the glory. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank You that we can serve You. We thank You that the sacrifices that we make, however, however little they may be for others, is pleasing to You because of our older brother, Jesus Christ. God, create in us a heart that seeks to serve 
a big heart for the church, a big heart for our family and for those who are made in your image. Father, may we never fail. May we never tire in loving others and pointing to the unfailing love that you have for us. Amen.